Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Happy Good News. Hello, everybody. How are you, Jonathan? I am very well, thank you, Ollie. Very, very well. How are you? I'm in a particularly good mood. I just ah. wanted to say good news. <laughs> Those two words are just stuck together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had COVID and it was just like a, a moderate flu. Thank you, science, and thank you, herd immunity, and thank you, time. Um, so, yeah, I feel pretty good. I feel like yep. maybe this pandemic thing um, will come to an end, and perhaps we've all learned a lot, and some technology has improved, and people care more about the environment, and generally feel quite good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I can only think about the vast amounts of data that the scientific uh, uh, I was going to say the scientific world, but I'll say all of our um, Them scientists. super smart, super smart people. Yeah, do you know the people that say, "Oh, someone's working on that." It's always like <laughs> <laughs> it's always like a you know a great team of scientists just gathering all this data, and I'm just imagining how much time it will take to sift through. We'll probably um, find out a lot about um, the pandemic or pandemics in general, as well mm. as you know, vaccine rollouts, you know, what's the most efficient way of doing it? You know, mm. what, you Even know. Even just like the way cities work yes. and, and the the movements of people and how to manage traffic better. And like, there's just going to be so many yeah. uh, secondary benefits from the effort that's needed to go into the advancements to yeah. tackle the pandemic, right? Yep. Um, and imagine that just the measures to tackle supply chains as well, because mm. a lot of, a lot of supply chains broke down during the pandemic um so i could imagine it may take a while to put things into place but when they when it does happen again because you know these things will most definitely happen again because we're now a global community mm -hmm. um if one of us gets a cold we all get a cold you know um yeah. not saying that covid is a cold covid is a very serious um uh ailment mm. and uh, i'm so glad that we have these uh, these vaccines and i'm also glad that we took uh, time and protected the people that needed protecting right because that's yes. the, that's the thing i'm fighting fit but um little granny down the road needs protecting totally yeah. as well as our um, nhs and the people within the nhs as well oh they're uh, amazing. for us in the uk yeah. absolutely amazing <laughs> good people yeah. but healthcare really professionals people. around the world yeah absolutely well, well all right yeah, my friend yep yep so what do we got today what do we have today we have um, an interesting story about flying cars. Sounds like you're making it up. Uh, no, it's it's here. It's here. It's we're now back to we're not back to the future. We're in the future. Future. Uh, <laughs> Does that mean I get a hoverboard? Potentially, they are around. They don't necessarily hover anymore, though. <laughs> You've got those two <laughs> two wheeled wheelie boards that they call hoverboards. <laughs> True, but those are for um, the young young peeps, aren't they? Young really? peeps, young peeps. In fact, there are. We do have some hoverboards. It's just you know, uh, super cooled uh, conductors and stuff like that. But for now, we have to settle with the dreams that a lot of us had growing up: leaving your house, jumping into the car, and flying off to Spain. 
How about that? <laughs> Amazing. Exactly. So we've got uh, the vehicle is called the Air Car, and uh, this is it's quite interesting because well done on the name, people. Yes, yeah, no, nice it does exactly clear. what it says on the tin. Air Car, perfect. <laughs> what does it do? It's a car in the air. It's a car in the air. What's that? What's that in the air? It's an air car. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so it's actually powered. Um, by a 1.6 liter um, BMW engine, which is quite interesting. It just doesn't even seem possible. Like, how could a 1.6 liter engine power a car up into into the sky and like, I fly know. around? I know, I know, it's crazy. Um, it had its maiden flight back in 2020, um, and it completed its first inner city flight uh, in June uh, 2021. Um, but it's passed a series of rigorous tests. So um, to be ready or certified as airworthy, um, it needs to complete roughly 70 hours of rigorous flight testing, which which it did. Um, so part of it was more than 200 takeoffs and 200 landings. Um, oh. I could imagine how scary that first landing was. <laughs> oh. um, I'm just but watching the video. It's crazy. It is. It's, it's, it kind it of is. looks a little bit like a Formula One with wings. Yes, it does. It looks like a, it, it really does look like a sports car, but then it has wings. And um, apparently in the research and development, it took roughly 100,000 man hours just to get a certified prototype. Are they a little bit like women hours? Uh Yes. That is uh, that is that is the term that is a term that was used in the article. Unfortunately, oh, no. these journalists uh, yes. didn't set us up. They just I know, I know, up. I know. People hours. It took a hundred thousand people hours to reach That's a stage a of a certified prototype. And uh, and this car's out of Slovakia, is that right? Yes. So it was in Slovakia where it um, went through the testing and passed the testing. Um, but it does look pretty awesome. So where would um, you fly? What would be your first? Uh, do I say flight? Oh, I'd fly over the Lake District because it's yeah. close. It's, uh, it's relatively close. Um, where would I fly? Do you know what? I don't know if I'll trust flying over a sea. <laughs> I just thought New York. I want to fly to New York. I don't know why. Yeah. I just want to fly to New York. Could you imagine um, making it to maybe New York? Maybe I have York. to wait a few years. Yeah, on a 1.6 BMW engine. Making your way to New York. <laughs> There's got to be a whole lot of really interesting challenges that come with this, right? Like, yeah. yeah, you're in the car, you've got the kids in the car. Did you go to the bathroom before you left? Yes, daddy. <laughs> off you go. You just you sort of jockey down the street, you swoop over the houses, you're just heading towards France, and then I need to go to the toilet. I need to go to the toilet, and it's, you turn, you, you make your way back. Is that a first world <laughs> problem? Do you think? That, oh, that might be a uh, a future world problem if we all have flying cars. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, <laughs> there wouldn't be any traffic alerts. You'd have to check to see if the jet stream will push you back. <laughs> if you could go fast enough, yeah. to, to, you know. Imagine, be... imagine how this could really add complexity to air traffic control because air traffic control is is like traffic control, isn't it? Yep. It's really complex with a lot yep. of planes, especially in the big airports like Frankfurt and. Um, Kennedy and um, Heathrow and stuff, right? Yes, and um, I wonder what this what effect this has on on um, pilot licenses as well. Mm. Um, I wonder if they've engineered it in a way 
that a number of the pre-flight checks are mm. um, automated, potentially. I think I read that um, leading up to this episode. Yeah, I think, mm. I think, I, I, and you know what? Um, all technology um, advances, right? I, yeah. I met a Russian pilot recently in Egypt. Sounds like I'm making it up, but I'm not. <laughs> and a uh, really nice guy. And he was talking about how um, Russia hasn't hasn't had access due to economic sanctions to all the planes that they wanted from people like Lockheed Martin and, and Airbus and stuff. Mm. And, uh, and so they've started manufacturing their own planes and they've got their own plane manufacturing business and the planes are coming online fairly soon. And, uh, and he was talking about flying and flying all three brands that I've just mentioned. Uh, and he said, you know, I, I don't actually fly the plane. I watch the plane fly itself and make sure that it's safe. Um, and particularly during landing and takeoff, there are a lot of checks that I do to check that the machine is doing it right. Um, but, you know, the plane effectively flies itself. And so I said, so what do you do while you're sitting there? Show me some photos of sunsets. <laughs> <laughs> and he had the most amazing photos, unas- wow. unobstructed view of clouds. And But the point is that in a world where the plane takes off by itself and it lands by itself and it flies by itself, maybe the checks can be automated. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, if you're living in an area that has a large landmass, then... Um, that opens up a degree of freedom now as well, right? Yeah. If you're if you're in a village somewhere or in a town somewhere, and you've just got a like an airstrip somewhere in a field, um, and you need to get to another city, there's no, you no longer have to um, sort of wait. <laughs> you can you can jump in your air car straight to straight to London. You know. So what what would people say? Would they say I'm going to drive over, or I'm going to fly over, or am I going to drive over? Or fly. Do you know what? I would probably flex a bit and say I'd fly over. I'd say, oh, just fly over. And they'd be like, what would you what do you mean fly over? And they would see they'd see my nice uh, my nice sports plane flying around, my nice air car flying, hovering around the house. I, oh, where can I land? Where where? <laughs> just by oh, the Tesco's. Amazing. All right. <laughs> amazing. So cool. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Okay. And what else have we got? There's also a, a bit happening in the world of nuclear fusion, right? So we've oh. got a, a piece about our friends in China and then a piece about our friends in Britain. Yes. So, so maybe we start with China. What do you reckon? So they've just broken the, the record for the longest sustained nuclear fusion 10 times over. What yes. What does that even mean? Oh, well, that means, um, I say, as we all know, I'll start off with <laughs> as we, nuclear fusion. There's been a, a race, a, a, a race for, uh, it's not necessarily a space race, <laughs> but it's a race for for uh, clean energy right or renewable energy so right now we use nuclear fission for our nuclear um power stations right that what we want to do is replicate what the sun does right which is um really be so hot and have so much pressure that it sort of creates nuclear fusion right and Yes, so it's basically turning hydrogen into helium. If my primary school science fails me, I think my son will come in and let me know. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> change hydrogen to, to helium. Um, Which I so, think means, means that the byproduct is water. Is that right? Uh, so the byproduct is... Um, As in the waste. 
Yeah, the uh, to a degree, yeah. So the uh, the bio, one of the byproducts is helium, and uh, I guess a neutron with energy that can heat up water and turn the turbines as well. So depending oh, on oh, your oh. reactor, especially the one in China, so the one in China um, can run off a form of water, and its byproducts will be water, which is really good. <laughs> right, right. That's where I'm getting it <laughs> which, from. And yeah, let's just, yeah, and I just is... like to say that it kind of looks for listeners like a cross between a hubcap on a car and a suit of armor. <laughs> yes. Yeah, in, in Doctor Who. <laughs> It does. It does. It, it looks like a uh, an over-engineered donut. I like yeah. to call it. <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah. this is in a in a city called Haifei. Yes. And uh, and apologies to anyone from there. I'm obviously not saying it right. Um, and it gets up to seventy million Celsius. Is that the yeah. temperature? Surely not. Um, I think that would melt through anything. Yeah, it would, but Amazing. it's suspended. It's suspended by um, by magnets, by super super magnets. So, um, from what I understand, I am the magnets. Yeah, I'm not a physicist. Hey, John, I'm not a physicist. That's my uh, my old Star Trek. Uh, I forgot the name of the. I'm losing the power in the warp engines. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, so it's suspended by these super ma- these uh, the plasma. So it's superheated to to that temperature. You kind wanted of, to say Superman, didn't you? I did, I did. I'm <laughs> such a Superman fan. Um, it, it's suspended in the air inside this chamber by magnets, and it creates that pressure needed for nuclear fusion. Um, and the thing is that nuclear fission, as in nuclear reactors, that mm-hmm. I always thought looked a little bit like mushroom smokestacks, mm-hmm. um, they <laughs> we don't have them in New Zealand because... Uh, because nuclear power was not used there, right? I'm pretty sure there are some in Australia. There's lots in the States. There's lots in Europe, right? And yes. I remember being on the train heading north in, in England and going past Doncaster. And uh, it was one of my first trips in England. And I was sort of sitting there and I'm watching everything go past. And I was like, whoa, what is that? Three massive smokestacks just belching out what looks like pollution and is probably just steam. Um, yeah. But that's providing quite a proportion of quite a percentage of the UK's power, isn't it? Along yeah. with coal. So it's quite it's, a big deal. Like it's, it's quite a thing to replace. Yeah. It's a huge deal because it's part of the, um, uh, the, um, the government's plans to cut their sort of carbon footprint in generating energy and nuclear Nuclear fission, which is one of what we use now, is actually part of that plan, um, which is because quite interesting. it's more efficient than burning coal, right? Oh, it's a lot more efficient. It's a, and it's not it's not pumping out so much um, carbon into the into the atmosphere as well. Yeah. Um, so that greenhouse effect is is lowered. The, the only byproduct you have really is the radioactive um, waste. Mm. Um, which uh, they believe can be managed until we get nuclear fusion on the way. But this it's... Chernobyl. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said, which they believe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, um, is, this is a generation further on, isn't it? This is. So all estimates, experts tend to uh, estimate that nuclear fusion will be a thing for the second half of this century. So it will, it's, what will happen is green energy... Green energy, like renewables, um, like wind and, and and sea and solar, will get us to a place where we can become carbon neutral, 
including uh, nuclear energy. And then from that point on, it's kind of a launch pad into nuclear fusion um, for 2050 and beyond, where our grandchildren will have this brand new um, type of energy, which is really cool. Um, So a step towards that was China being able to break that record. Um, And I think they sustained it for um, a long time, right? It was and, like 17, and, 17 minutes or something like that. It was, it was a very long time. Um, and then... It's still not then, rattling, John. Yeah. <laughs> no, John, it's still not rattling. I think it's working. Um, so it's... Uh, it's And they're adapting it, it to use to, to take in seawater as well. I, yeah. I, I read. Yes. Yeah. Super interesting. It's really good. It's really good. Probably Sorry, the, the last the, energy um, source we'll ever tame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's it's pretty good, pretty good. So sorry, they didn't have the fusion. I think they superheated plasma for seventeen minutes. The fusion um, <coughs> was sustained for around a thousand seconds, which is still good, still really good for what we want to That's achieve. A long time, it really so, is. And and what do they call these fusion reactors? I know you want to say it. Oh, is that the uh, the mini sun, the smaller right. suns? Yeah, the mini suns. Ooh. I like that. It's pretty good. It's pretty good because it's a lot harder. Because if you think stuff. about it, yeah, it's a lot harder to do on Earth than it is, I guess, in the Sun. Because there's not enough. There's not as much pressure on the Earth as there is in the core of the Sun. And, true. True. Um, so that's why we have to get it hotter than the Sun. So you need to get it hotter than the Sun, and then you have to put it in put it in a in a kind of environment where the pressure is like so much as well. So it's it's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. No, science, cool. science. I mean, it's just uh, how much does this sound like science fiction? The uh, this particular East um, machine fires mm. a supercharged laser at heavy hydrogen isotopes like deuterium and tritium. Yeah. If ice is hydrogen in a solid form, water is liquid and vapor is gas. Then plasma is what happens when you really turn the heat up. The plasma would normally dissipate and rapidly cool, but superconducting magnets, top magnets, replicate the intense gravitational pressure at the center of the sun to keep it contained. I mean, that is, I'm just yeah. having curtains with excitement. Yeah. This all is of my, that's all of my science fiction dreams. Proper sci-fi. Proper sci-fi. I'm just imagining you have a tablet <laughs> and some glasses. I don't know what you're using a tablet for, but the glasses also make you look smarter. So. <laughs> totes. totes. That's However, that's... these folks are not the only people doing it. No, me to believe. Tell me so, about that. Our friends in Europe, which is probably just us, <laughs> our, our European friends. Um, so, yes, in a <clears throat> in a UK-based uh, jet laboratory. Um, so they smashed a, a, a record for the amount of energy that could be extracted from uh, nuclear fusion. Um, it wasn't like it's not world-breaking amounts of energy. It was uh, 59 megajoules, which I understand is enough to power, to boil water in 60 kettles. So 60 households could have tea, right? Which is really good, actually. Um, well, I mean, and- imagine, imagine, imagine back in the day in huts, if somebody said, I'm going, to, I'm going to create something that allows us to make a fire that will heat up 60 kettles at the same time. People yeah. would have been like, you know, make that woman yeah. the queen. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, and it's all about um, proving the concept, isn't it? Yeah. So this one was was a proof of concept that seemed to work and extracts quite a significant amount of um, energy 
uh, from nuclear fusion from what they tried 20 years ago. Um, mm. So right now in Europe, uh, a larger version of this is actually being built. Um, so this is slightly different to the Chinese um, version of nuclear fusion, I believe, because um, they've made a couple changes to, to how they were, they were um, I think, lining the inside of the fusion reactor as well, which is pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, but again, in the UK, the government are saying that they want to reduce emissions by 2035. Mm. So nuclear and renewables and um, oh, energy storage is one of the key things that they're aiming at. Um, mm. So that's the reason why we're not really focusing on saying, oh, let's scale this up in the UK. And let's, this is definitely one thing. I think it's uh, this joint venture for, from these for, uh, for Europe is probably, um, we're going to get a lot of stuff come from this, I think. Wow, that's um, so cool. Yeah, I think, I think so it's cool. going to be, it's going to be amazing. We'll see. And thank you, BBC, for your diagrams. That makes quite a lot of sense to me when I look at it in that form. Oh, so yes. there's the deuterium and heat and tritium into the, um, into the fusion, resulting in helium, as you were saying, and yeah. then a neutron that creates heat um, and that heats water into steam. Yes. So basically, there's still a steampunk element to all of yeah. this, which is all, even always. better. Steam. <laughs> Steam's amazing, right? Like because yeah, it is. you boil your vegetables and it's uh, and it's 100 degrees thereabouts, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I burned my hand on the steam, and as a kid, and and mum was like, "Well, that's because steam goes up much hotter than than uh, than boiling," and it just yeah. never quite made sense. But it still seemed really awesome. Yeah, um, because it's more like a thousand degrees, isn't it, for steam? Yeah. Is that right? I think so. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I think I'm not. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's pretty hot. It's. It's. Uh, I know uh, steam engines were were huge back in the day. Um, they sure were. And yeah, and I mean, I that's, that's a huge change, right? You can use, so, yeah. so, do you think this kind of technology changes things in the same way that um, that the combustion engine or steam engines or things like that changed things? <laughs> Yeah, I see this technology as when we, I see us now like the fringe of when electricity was first being experimented with and discovered. And I think um, once you nail it, things start to move very quickly. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when you were able to nail nuclear fusion and possibly get a, uh, a source of energy that is one, really renewable, and two, um, like constant as well, mm. because once you start getting a lot of energy, then society can sort of develop and things go a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, so imagine if we had this, so this current energy crisis that we're facing in the UK, um, and in a lot of places, right around the world. And a, yeah. And a lot of places, if everybody had electric heaters and the source of electricity was so cheap because of nuclear fusion, then you know, we would be in Houses a better would place. would be warm and yeah. our pockets would be full. Exactly. Yeah. yeah see, it's, it's, um, yeah. and there's, there's a real, there's a really important factor when you, uh, in what you said and that it's continuous, right? Because mm -hmm. tidal is, is not necessarily continuous and wind is not necessarily continuous and solar has only just reached 25% efficiency or just above for yeah. um for pv cells right so yeah. so that means only 25 percent of what's hitting the sun uh, hitting the roof gets converted and it's not always sunny particularly in a, yep. a country like uh, england 
Yeah. So, and it's 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 not necessarily reliable. And with wind energy, if the wind's too fast, sometimes you may have to shut the uh, shut the turbines down. Yeah, so it's um, kind of like a sweet spot. So the yeah. idea of just having, and there's there's a real problem with electricity, isn't there, that it can't really be stored. No. And so therefore it needs to be generated when people need it, as in yeah. in the evening on a cold day, right? Yeah, yeah. So what's interesting as well is, um, I think I spoke about this before, was Tesla. I know Tesla, Elon. Um, Elon, you're coming on the show sooner <laughs> or later. We look yeah. forward to it. Yeah, they, they, they have battery packs. Um that would be able to store the renewable energy in your home for a yeah, bit. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah, really Don't cool. They call because... them power packs or something like that. I think that? so. I think power they're called walls. That. Yeah, power walls, like yes, that. something like that. And you you would charge your car. Your car uh wait, so you'd have solar panels, it would charge the power wall. The power wall will be fully charged, then it will say, "Okay, let me charge your car." <laughs> then your car's charged and it'll say, "Okay, let me heat up the water in your house." heats up the water in your house and then when that's heated up it will say you know what let me try and let me send the power back to the grid which is really interesting um mm. because now imagine you have that all over a community of people with similar tech not necessarily teslas other uh other uh, <laughs> uh battery and technology providers are available um it puts us in a real in really interesting position Right, and the same if we have hydrogen cars that could power a house, for example, yeah. uh, hydrogen fuel cells in your car that could power your house, instead of having these huge stations or nuclear stations and and things like that, everybody has their own kind of clean generator. Really cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a, um, I maybe you know. Do we need to be careful calling out companies for doing good things? No, I'm just going to give Dulux a shout out. So I remember talking to hey. one, of the, one of the chappies for, for Dulux in, in Australia, and mm -hmm. we were talking about paint and we were talking about solar energy. Um, they're a good company, right? Like they've, they've done a lot of, they've put a lot of effort into um, producing paint in a more environmentally friendly way. Like, for uh, example, they're socially aware. That's yeah. right. For example, when you make white paint, um, that is a particularly, um, highly emitting um uh polluting process so you end up with this like white chalky water that comes off it it's not the end of the world but it needs something doing with it you can't put it into the creek right um mm. so um so the the folks in one area of, uh, of australia looked at that and they realized there was a brick factory nearby and this chalky water is particularly good for making bricks and so they they pump the water for free into the uh into the the brick manufacturer to uh, to not waste the water and also to not pollute. It's quite cool, eh? And, That's uh, super cool. Yeah, and this was a while ago. This was over 10 years ago, so I'm sure they've got lots of other cool stuff they're doing. But what this guy was particularly excited about was um, fragments of ceramics and paint, um, the idea being that ceramics, a bit like we use them on... Uh, on the space shuttle for re-entry into Earth can handle very high temperature but can also conduct electricity. So if we had ceramic flecks all the way sprinkled across paint, why wouldn't we imagine a future where your grandchildren say, Granddad, why didn't, what do you mean we didn't use to generate electricity from the, all of the surfaces on the body of a car? And what do you mean the, the paint on the walls of houses wasn't generating electricity? Like just imagine like the top the top of a massive supermarket building, if if that could generate electricity due to its paint, um, and you put it into one of these power wall 
um, technologies. It's just there's so much we could do to to kind of grow beyond the the ridiculous party that's come from cheap energy, right? Yeah, yeah. Due to oil, I think so. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because I think um, with everything, when humans are involved, scale is, uh, I guess, our greatest uh, asset. Yeah. All right. So right. if if you have one solar panel, it's like okay, but there's millions of people with millions of homes, and if everybody gets solar panels, then you know <laughs> there's a lot of energy there. And the and, uh, solar panels is probably a bad example because they're not very efficient. But um, yeah, better than no, not, that, though, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Awesome. So let's go on to the last one. So last one for today: um, green LEDs. Doesn't sound so exciting when I say it mm. like that, but Marine biologists have found that $8 US green LEDs, when fixed to fishermen's or fisherwomen's nets, um, were enough to dissuade and scare off a large number of sea animals like turtles, sharks, and rays, um, and prevent them falling prey to those nets. So it's been tested in Hawaii by the, uh, the National Oceanic Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and they've found that turtles and sharks and rays just don't get caught in the nets anymore. Um, the problem is that they call them gill nets, G-I-L-L, uh, indiscriminate, and a little bit like drift netting, which those who are a bit older listening to the show will remember was something um, that was used by boats to effectively just pick up everything in the ocean and um, and try to catch tuna. So um, it's now been outlawed in many places and luckily these days we no longer drift net but it raised the concept of things get caught in nets that we don't intend to catch whether it's the small things or the other things and that term is uh, that's that um, problem is named bycatch um, it should be called killing things we didn't mean to kill but they're lovely <laughs> And Whoa. so the idea is that they can that about forty percent of all net caught animals in the world um, are bycatch, as in we didn't mean to catch them, we throw them out or what? turn them into cat food. Um, what a waste of of a resource that we really don't have to waste. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so these folks have just. <laughs> we were stunned with our findings. Good on them, right? Just use some LEDs. <laughs> I'd be stunned and... too. I was like, <laughs> wait a second, forty percent right? of 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 animals that were caught in a net were by accident. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crikey. And, and, and we'll talk about um, blockchain a lot in the future, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But one of the things about blockchain and the public ledger is the idea of being able to for a company to prove or me to prove um, in the supermarket that the fish that I'm about to buy was not illegally fished. And apparently, mm -hmm. what, didn't we have this on an episode a while ago that something like 40% of, of all fish that we eat is illegally caught? Oh, um, yeah, we did actually. That's mad. Yes. So, yeah. so blockchain will also help here. But um, but basically, these folks uh, in, at Cinco in uh, Hawaii have uh, have got 5,000 lit nets. So they've lit them all up and they tested it against 5,000 unlit nets. And they're just like the difference was just so huge. Yeah. So, so huge. And they think it will cost as little as 16 to $34 to prevent a sea turtle bycatch event. Um, That's pretty just, cool. I just hope that one day we kind of put uh, crowdfunding alongside this because if I could crowdfund 
a company that was putting these LEDs out to nets, knowing that my fish in the future would be sustainable or more sustainable, um, I totally do it. Yeah, I would too, actually, because uh, I think I was a as a as a supporter on the um, is it the ocean cleanup? Mm. Oh, that's a, that's a good one as well. I think our oceans are really important, <laughs> really, really important. But um, th- it, it's crazy. It's uh, and also um, it said here that it it um, lowered the um, percentage of catching a turtle. Uh, I forget the type of turtle by fifty one percent as like a bycatch as well. That is crazy. I would never have known that. I would and never just, have known that. And there's just not enough turtles, right? Um, yeah. Very few people have had moments like uh, I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, extremely fortunate to um, to surf in places like Australia and New Zealand, mm. and sitting sitting off the coast of um, of somewhere like Newcastle, halfway up the east coast of Australia, and and then and just sitting there waiting for waves, waiting for waves, which is really what surfing is. And uh, <laughs> and and then I, I was like, what what is that? That's not a shark or a dolphin. What yeah. is that? And I realised that it was just a turtle swimming past. And oh, I think wow. <laughs> maybe that had never happened in my life, and maybe never since. Um, mm. And it should happen all the time. So yeah. one thing I hope all listeners get a chance to do is at the very least watch a documentary about the Galapagos. Um, and and maybe if you're lucky um, and you save up, you might get a chance to go there because it is incredible to walk on these volcanic islands, so very dark rocked islands, and, and just walk through animals and reptiles that just don't fear us because they've not been... Um, caught and eaten and chased and so you just you just you just walk one meter away from the birds and one of the rules that they tell you on the galapagos is because the animals aren't scared of you because they're curious of you they'll walk towards you but you as a tourist need to keep a two meter distance so you you stay away (laughs) so instead of instead of the classic sort of fenton dog runs through the uh, through um, richmond park and all the the deer move out of the way of the dog it's the other way around so the the seal pup walks up the beach and all the tourists have to <laughs> they have to run <laughs> and somehow it just it just felt right you know yeah. and i and i wonder if that's what it was like for hunter gatherer societies several thousand years ago it must have just been like an aquarium all around them yeah. all the time yeah just so much life may we cool. get to that state for our children yes. and their children Yes, yes, yes. I think that might be enough for today. What do you think, Jonathan? I think so too. I think that was uh, that was that was pretty good. I feel uh, upbeat about the world <laughs> and, w- and what's in the future. Um, you know, and I, I really do enjoy reading good news or hearing about good stories as well. Yeah. Um, Quick shout especially... out to Positive News. Who yes, are just an amazing organisation, and um, you can go to positivenews.com org or I forget Um, and you can get a a weekly free newsletter that will just be emailed with five or six articles from around the world and they also do a printed magazine which is just great isn't it just really lifts my mood yep and uh, a shout out as well to uh, one of our other sources as well which was the Good News Network uh, at the goodnewsnetwork.org good people Um, good people as well good people as well spreading the good news um so yeah i think uh, i think if you if you want a daily dose you can um hit up 
these these wonderful people at Positive News and the Good News Network. Um, and also, you can get a summary here, right here can. on Problem Busters. And we've hey? got a lot of interesting people queued up to talk, haven't we? Yes, so we do. Plenty yes, we more do. to come. Watch this space. And thank you for tuning in. Be safe, look after each other, and we'll see you next time. Ciao.